All right, all right, all right. Welcome to the Misfit Nation. Damn, it's been a wild week for those who chewed dirt in Afghanistan. The roller coaster went from anger over leaving abruptly to hope that those who helped us would be able to get out whole. To sheer rage when a suicide attack took the lives of 13 young warriors. The majority of these warriors came from one element on Kabul International Airport. They were assigned to 2nd Battalion, 1st Marine Regiment. Their commander penned a letter a couple days later to his family. In that letter, he summed it up as such. He told them that his unit knew they only had a few short hours left to try and save as many people as they possibly could and get them out of Afghanistan. He told them they would have to stop in an hour. The Marines in his charge stood up and ran towards the Abbey Gate in an attempt to help as many as possible. They showed throughout this rapid deployment their tenacity and flexibility to make things happen. On this day, a coward with a suicide bomb strapped to him and others took the lives of these 13 Americans and hundreds of Afghan citizens. So let's pause and say their names here. Marine Corps Staff Sergeant Darren T. Hoover, 31 years old, Salt Lake, Utah. Marine Corps Sergeant Jahani Rosario Pichardo, 25, Lawrence, Massachusetts. Marine Corps Sergeant Nicole L. G., 23, of Sacramento, California. Marine Corps Corporal Hunter Lopez, 22, of Indio, California. Marine Corps Corporal Dagan W. Page, 23, of Omaha, Nebraska. Marine Corps Corporal Humberto A. Sanchez, 22, of Logansport, Indiana. Marine Corps Lance Corporal David L. Espinoza, 20, of Rio Bravo, Texas. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Jared M. Schmitz, 20, of St. Charles, Missouri. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Riley J. McCullum, 20, of Jackson, Wyoming. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Dylan R. Marola, 20, of Rancho Cucamonga, California. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Kareem M. Nikoi, 20, of Norco, California. Navy Hospital Hospitalman Maxton W. Sobiak, 22, of Berlin Heights, Ohio. And Army Staff Sergeant Ryan C. Noss, 23, of Coryton, Tennessee. Our next guest is a military spouse who has fully embraced the service culture. She has devoted her mental health career to serve military and first responder families, which resulted in being awarded the 2015 Military Spouse of the Year, representing all six branches and over 1.1 million military spouses. 2015 was the beginning of an amazing journey that opened up her opportunity to reach more families than she ever thought possible beyond her counseling office. I got to meet her in 2016 while attending the Chris Kyle birthday bash in Dallas, Texas. Her work has been instrumental to many couples who have gone through the programs with the Tay and Chris Kyle Foundation. She also has worked tirelessly to help veterans and first responders get the help they need. When all this unfolded in the last few weeks, I knew we needed to get her on here. So without further ado, let's get Corey Weathers on here.
Um, thank you, Rich, so much for the opportunity to join you. Yeah, um, a little bit about me. My name is Corey Weathers. I'm a military spouse and also a um, licensed professional counselor that spent the last 15 years of a 20-year mental health career focused on military and first responder families. As, as a lot of you know, um, there's a lot of first responders that have um, backgrounds in, as veterans as well. So um, it's been a joy to to devote my life and my career to um, amazing people um, that have given so much. My my husband's father was a retired police officer. His grandfather was a retired police officer. And so my husband wanted to join the military as a chaplain to really stand in the gap for what we see um, happening in service families all the time. He was a child growing up in a service home and saw the impact of that lifestyle on what it can do to a marriage, to what it can do to the home. And, um, and we just wanted to be a part of um, helping those families. And so we do it individually and we do it together. Um, but it's um, now I do a lot of not only counseling and coaching for military families, um, but also a lot of just communication through my own podcast and through um, teaching retreats and, and facilitating Strength Finder um, workshops and, and really it's whatever content I can do to help people increase their communication and, and make home life better for a service family. So that's the fastest way that I can say, Rich. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. And I, and I got linked in with you when it was the Chris Kyle Frog Foundation, now Taya and Chris Kyle Foundation. Uh, you did uh, great work with the spouses there and the couples as they went on their uh, retreats. Do you still do that stuff or are you branched out from that to more of the consulting side? Yeah, I would say it's both. You know, um, I really, really enjoyed the opportunity that the Tay and Chris Kyle Foundation provided me, which was allowing me to come in as a clinician and give that clinical um, background of what makes great programming. Like what, what kind of programming can we design that really makes an impact in families in a powerful way? And so in the years that I've gotten to work with that foundation, it's been an incredible opportunity to meet couples like you guys and really um, build curriculum and build programming. And, and so I do still, um, as a consultant, work with other organizations like the USO, like Project Sanctuary, and other organizations where I kind of get to do the same thing, where I get to kind of take a look at the programming that they're offering and bring that clinical background of, of just also experiencing stories of, of couples and families, boots on the ground, what they're actually experiencing. And then how do we write good, solid curriculum or, or how do we design programming that actually makes a difference? Because what I've found is that I know I don't like my time wasted. And I know that families that are in need, they don't need their time wasted too. They need programming, desperately need programming that actually works. So I do um, a lot of consulting um, on the side as well. So it's kind of of like I'm a jack of all trades of like too many plates spinning, but I really do get to enjoy, um, not only get to um, encourage organizations and how they reach families, but then also putting on my own content as well. And then every now and then actually getting to work with couples and individually in sessions too. It's kind of a little bit of all of it combined. Well, so you're definitely got your, your plates are definitely full while you're spinning them. And then of course, <laughs> I know uh, just recently your husband actually was deployed uh, not long ago and still active duty, right? Yes. Yes. We are stationed here at Fort Hood and we did just go through our, our third deployment, which is nothing compared to what other um, families have been through. We have a lot of special operations that are on like their 15th deployment. So in no way am I um, complaining at all, but um, as a chaplain, you really are kind of sent to those broadening assignments where he spent some time in the schoolhouse, where he went to school himself. 
um, and getting to do various different things that sometimes kept him from other deployments. Um, it's definitely something he loves to do as well as training up other people. So we are still active here at Fort Hood, part of and attached to First Cav Division, um, where he just came back from Poland. So not quite the same um, experience that he had in the last two assignments with Afghanistan, for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, and we can debate on like how, you know, <laughs> what's effective and what's not across the board in all of those deployments, right? But, um, but, you know, I think everybody has, that's the great thing about this community. Everybody has different experiences of deployment. And what I got to see when I went overseas is really just how all the branches work together. Everybody plays a part, um, whether you change that tire or you work on the wires of that aircraft or um, whether you're a special operator, like it, it takes everybody. And um, it's been awesome to meet so many people that, that are part of that big jigsaw puzzle that makes this all work. It's definitely one giant uh, jigsaw puzzle. I think uh, President Kennedy, he said it best when he was touring NASA back in the way when the early days of the space program. He walked up to uh, a janitor and asked him, what do you do for, for NASA? And he said, I help get the, the spaceships into space. And he said, that's exactly what you're supposed to say, because every person is important in this job. Yeah. And that's exactly what you're saying with the big jigsaw puzzle. Everyone's job means something as we uh, move forward in life. Uh, I know uh, saying it, it was an easier deployment in Poland, but he still, as a chaplain, I'm sure he still had many of the same issues come to him through uh, soldiers. Yeah. And uh, it, I'm not sure if it was joint uh, services, but their home issues are still the same, no matter if you're getting in line of fire or if you're in a mission like in Poland. Mm -hmm. So uh, that stress adds up on him as well. And having you at home as that backbone behind him, knowing that you're there and being strong for him, I'm sure that helps him a lot. Yeah. And, you know, um, everybody... Uh, I've heard people say deployments don't get easier. They just are different every time. And um, I took that with me into this last deployment. And we have teenagers now. And it was also a year of COVID. Um, we're here in Texas. We went through the Texas ice storm. Um, you know, I've lived in Colorado. I've been in Virginia. Um, you know, I've even lived in Georgia where they thought they've had ice storms, right? Um, but I will say that this Texas ice storm that we had was um, debilitating. It was um, something I've never seen before. Um, and people were burning furniture to stay warm. And my my boys also um, had COVID during that ice storm. Um, and so this deployment was um, definitely one that rocked me, even with all the skill sets that I have and, and the work that I've done to help people through deployments. It's always a reminder that this, this lifestyle is hard and it's challenging and there's different things to experience in every season. And Matt and I did a really good job this time of keeping the lines of communication open, also challenging ourselves a little bit in, in growing in our communication. Um, and But I will say it was very interesting um, you know, our first couple deployments, especially that first one was really, really tough on Matt. Um, it's historic even. And then for me, this last one, it was almost like it was my turn. Like I was really put through the ringer on stressors that I didn't invite into my life. It was just life. You know, how do you um, keep, you know, thankfully we didn't lose power during that ice storm, but like just dealing with two boys with fevers and COVID and knowing that you can't even get out of the house to go to the doctor if you wanted to. Um, and you could lose power at any point. Like it was um, that combined with a lot of other stressors, it was exceptionally more difficult than I've seen before. So um, I'm glad it's over. I'm glad. I'm so thankful for what I've learned <laughs> from it. And 
the reintegration of, of regardless of who's had it more, you know, it's never a competition of who had it more difficult, but it, it really does take a relationship um, through the ringer and then ask you to grow from it and this, and find meaning that can come out of it. And what will you do to come out better on the other side? And so I'm thankful to be more so on the other side of that ridge. <laughs> Definitely. And what you just said, I think that happened almost every time I got on a plane and went somewhere, I, Gwen would stay here and as soon as I'd leave and she'd get back to, or even make it back to the house, something crazy would happen. Mm-hmm. We were at Fort Riley and her and Lexi were on their way back and uh, a tornado came through. So they got stuck under an o- overpass. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Lexi had the chicken pox, 9 11. I was, I was already gone when 9 11 happened. Lexi had the chicken pox, never wanted to go to school again because she felt that that's why she got it. So uh-huh. she had to deal with that. There was always something coming up that I couldn't foresee, but I knew something would happen because it was just our luck how things would happen. And she had to have that strength at home. And she hid a lot of it from me because so I wouldn't worry about it as much as long as it wasn't life threatening. And that's uh, the strength that she gave me as I went forward. Yeah. You know, and I'm so thankful, like, you know, you're, you don't, you're not excited to go through it at the, at the time, you know, we call that Murphy's law um, as soon as the service member leaves, you know um, but it really, do, it really does grow our community into a fantastic group of people who have endured tough things. And I don't like to use the word resilient. I'm kind of against it actually. Um, but I love the word grit. And I think that just definitely defines spouses, families, service members across the board, that this lifestyle creates a grit in us. Um, and according to Angela Duckworth, who's really coined that, that word, grit is the ability to have perseverance to reach and endurance to reach a long-term goal. And I, I, that definitely describes what we are doing all the time, whether it's a deployment, a training, um, or just even a tough week. I think we've just learned how to dig deep and grow from it. And I'm really thankful for the community that understands that and is willing to reach out to each other and help each other through that. That's the best thing about this community. And I love it. And it's, it's like, you never find a stranger when you're in the, in the military community, you, they can, you can spot each other walking down the road and say, I know you've been through some of the same thing I have. And you want to talk about, well, let's go get a coffee and talk about how your day's going. And, and it'll be like, you've never we're strangers. You just start talking right away and share everything with each other. It's oh, a yeah. very, it's an awesome community. I was about to bring up Angela Duckworth's book when you, when you did that, cause I have it sitting on my bookshelf here. I read that a couple of years ago and I keep going back to it cause it's a great book and it's a, it's a great life lesson thing to move forward with. Oh, 100%. And can I just say to what you just said a minute ago, you know, even this past weekend, um, my son is a senior. He's trying to to graduate and make sure he has all the credits after, you know, being in his third high school now. And, um, you know, when we were in Kansas, he took German as his foreign language. We got here to Texas and they don't offer German. And so he was faced with a choice. He could either um, start over and take a different language and try to get two years of a new language in or he could take German from an online um, class at a local college here that was, of course, during COVID, it was all online with no instructor, no class, no instruction at all. He had to learn a second year of German all by himself. And watching a military kid go through that was so, so hard. And this weekend, I reached out to just my neighborhood. I don't even live on post, but I reached out to my neighborhood. And I was just like, does anybody know German? Because I don't. And this kid needs help studying for this exam. Like, I don't know if he's ready or not, but he needs help. And somebody reached out and it was a military spouse from Germany 
who speaks the language. And she, she was like, send him over and I'll sit with him for as long as it takes. And we had never met her before. And it just was like, you've saved my life is what it felt like, you know? And when you really are just wanting your kids to succeed and they and your kids didn't ask to join this lifestyle, it was a calling that you had and that you're trying to live out your calling. And so to see your kids struggle through that and then to have somebody from the community step in, it's 100% of everything that this community is about. Um, whether it's a service member or a spouse, um, it's just an amazing community and I'm thankful, especially today. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, that story is amazing right there. And I was just my buddy at work. Uh, we're sending people to Germany here to help with the influx of those coming out of Afghanistan right now to help them get processed in and hopefully vetted so they can get their visas to come back here. And he chomps at the bit to go back to Germany because he speaks it fluently. He lived there for 12 years and he'll talk to me in German. I have no idea what he's saying. I, I, I say, if you could give me food or beer, I understand what you're saying. Other than that, I'm out. But, <laughs> I don't know either. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I can say hello and danke. <laughs> that's about it. But that's, that's great to have that community just right in your community to help you out like that. And that's something like you said, that's something that's, it's novelty for military to have that. And sometimes you forget it's there until you need it. Like you just did. Yeah, you know, and Rich, I had the opportunity to go overseas for just, I think it was either seven or nine days and travel with the SECDEF to see deployment conditions with the purpose of trying to write about it. I mean, what a, what a mission of my own to figure out how to write about what deployment is like for families when what their spouse comes home all the time trying to describe it and, and it's so hard to understand <laughs> it. How am I supposed to write about it, you know? But um, I remember my husband, like right before I left for that, he was like, you know, just, just find the troops, find another service member and tell them who you are. And I have no doubt that they'll take care of you, you know, and, and that's exactly what it was. Like, it didn't matter what branch it was. It didn't matter what they, what their MOS was. As long as I could find myself and say, Hey, I'm a military spouse. And I'm sitting here trying to figure out like, what do you want families to know? Like they, every single one of them took me under their wing. They were excited to show me what they did, excited to show me things that they really had a hard time explaining to family members. Um, and I immediately felt like I was with family and that was the best part of that whole trip. So, um, you know, I know we all are, you know, those of us who are in, there's going to be that day that you retire, you know, and it's not, um, even though it's your lifestyle and it's your life and it's your career, it is also a job. And at some point you're, you're going to leave that job and that's just real. Right. Right. Um, but it is, it is something that has brought great difficulty, but also great joy to our life. And it's something we'll always look back on and be thankful for. And it's something that we all know when we raise our right hand the first time that it's going to end at some point. We know there's an end date for us in there. It may not be at our own terms, but it could be the 20 years, could be one one uh, enlistment. But like for me, at 22 years, I went from wearing boots every day to doing nothing. I had no idea what to do with my, my hands at that point mm -hmm. after 22 years of getting dressed up and doing what I was supposed to do for every day. So for a year, I was basically a bum in the house until Gwen finally just pushed me, got me out. And Michelle from the Christophe Frog Foundation hooked me up with the Mission Continues to get me straight and going back to work. That's a real, real issue. And we're seeing, um, I, I want to say that as if it's a new thing, um, because it's always been a transition to to retire or to leave the community. And, and the learning curve has always been steep. So it's not necessarily a new thing, but it's definitely something we are seeing a lot of 
you know, we've been in this two decade war and, and a lot of people have kind of stuck with it for as long as they can to try to make the impact that they can. Um, but transitioning is, is definitely a difficult topic and we're seeing a lot of, a lot of people struggle with it now more than ever. Um, and, and I think especially with the drawdown of Afghanistan, that's bringing up a lot of feelings for people too on when they leave, how they leave, how they feel about leaving, how they feel about their career. Um, so it's, it's definitely something that takes a lot of thought and intention. And, um, and that's a lot of what I'm being asked to do lately is really work with a lot of people who are getting ready to transition to know what their strengths are, to know what they're good at, what makes them excited and what, how that translates, not necessarily like career counseling, but just in life, like, what is it that you love to do and what are you good at? And you just happen to have give, given those talents to the military, but that doesn't mean that it stops there. Right. You, you still have talents and you, you were able to make it through the military grind, no matter what your MOS was, you have something of value out there that you can give to someone else. And like you said, the transition, it's nothing new, but it's still, it's like running into a wall if you're not prepared. And mm -hmm. I thought I was prepared and that wall was still pretty st steep and thick, but mm -hmm. I, I was able to break through the other side. There's a lot of people that still do not have the wherewithal to get through that wall without a lot of help. Yeah. And you know, what's I, what I'm finding also is what's in, you know, everybody's different, um, but I'm seeing that there's a lot more service service members who are, let's say for those that are retiring, who are kind of at a place where yes, they have mixed emotions, but they're also very ready for that job to end. Like they might be finding themselves sitting at a desk, pushing papers, not necessarily doing what they first came in to do. And so they, they've kind of become cynical or disgruntled over time and, and they're kind of ready for something different. They may not know what it is, but they're kind of ready for this career to transition. And it's not quite what it was before but yet their spouse is the one that's actually struggling. And for so long, we have seen where it's mostly the service member. And now we're seeing um, where for a lot of, it's an, it's an identity for both sides, but I'm, we're finding that service members identified with it as a career and as a job, whereas spouses identified with it more as this is my life because it revolved around and they were defined by that role for so long. So it's, it's just very interesting dynamics to work with a couple, regardless of, you know, what you're feeling on either side, like how do you transition to be who you are and not necessarily be who somebody else wants you to be? Exactly. And that's a good point you brought up about the spouse side, because they're as much part of the, the team as, as either one, either part of the, the equation there, they deal with a lot, when the spouse is gone or even when the spouse is home and on in the field or going to work from sun up uh, before the sun comes up through way past the sun goes down, taking care of the kids, them having a job on their own and then worrying about both the spouse or their kids all day. And then all of a sudden that spouse doesn't have that little circle around them that they have the military. Mm -hmm. They also have to find a thing to do with their hands at that point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was working with a, a top senior couple that was transitioning out and you would have thought that his pace, like he just, you would have thought that he would have really struggled to slow down, but he was so excited to go back to a small town, small civilian town and just slow down his life and build things with his hands, you know, and work on his house. And he was so excited to do that. And then it turned out 
that his wife was the one that was like, what, what does that even mean if we're not near an, an installation? Like, I don't, what am I going to do? Like, who am I going to be? Like all of the advice or all of the, the information that I've held for so long that I've, I've used to mentor and help other people won't really even matter now. And I don't know where to put it. And like, what am I going to do while you're building this house? So it was, it was just very interesting to see how each couple deals with that transition in different ways. Exactly. And I mean, there's a lot of people that ask us, uh, oh, since you still work at Fort Campbell, you still, you love going to the PX and the commissary. I sure miss that. So I'll tell you the truth. I don't even go to them. I go to the mm-hmm. PX sometimes to get my hair cut. Other than that, I don't even, I don't go to that side of base because I just go to work, train, and then go home. And then I shop on the economy, basically. And I know a lot of people feel that void when they don't have that commissary PX or the USO office or the MWR pools and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I, I, isn't that the goal though, is to respect the community. Um, you know, Brene Brown said in one of her Ted talks, you got to dance with the one who brung you. Right. And I think about that a lot because, you know, you want to be grateful for what brought you into so many of these experiences that you had in life and, um, and appreciate that and, and give that, you know, nod, you know, like this is what taught me the character that I have today, gave me that grit. Right. Um, and so it's important to not necessarily throw it out. And that's what I think some people are afraid that's going to mean is, is it's just over. And I think there's a way to dance with the one who brung you without necessarily saying that it has to be all encompassing or come. And honestly, if any of us, even while we're in, are so preoccupied with making it everything, we're going to find our lives out of balance anyways. And so it's always a good practice to keep the, I hate, you know, I hate the word balance a little bit, but just having these different things in your life. So it's not just all 100% military and then there's nothing else because you really will find your plate yourself in a really bad spot when it's time to transition. Definitely. You got to have uh, the options of moving on to some, something different really helps out. If you want to stay in the same thing, it's just like changing clothes and basically going to the opposite side of the desk. Some people do that. They go from being a career soldier to being a GS employee just in the same office Mm -hmm. and they enjoy that. And that's not for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I know uh, the last week uh, has been very trying for many, many who served, many who had uh, loved ones serve overseas. And I know that you got to visit Afghanistan. I think it was for a day or so during your trip. And it brought up some, some memories from when you were there. Do you want to speak about any of that? Yeah, it really has been a rough week. Um, in fact, you know, it was funny because I even wrote an article really quickly for military.com and, and put it out based off of kind of what I was feeling and what I was seeing other people were feeling as well. And um, just everybody having different emotions. I mean, that article was a really great example of people misunderstanding it, people loving it, people hating it, people like there's just so many um, feelings going on. And that's so normal. You know, this really has been, a you know, obviously a two two decade war. And I think what's really what I'm seeing is for two decades, regardless of when you came in and when you left, um, we all had to, especially if you were um, deployed to Afghanistan or had a family member deployed to Afghanistan. You know, I think this is true of Iraq too, and any anywhere you deploy, but you kind of as a family have to create meaning, right? Like you have to define for yourselves. And I think we do this subconsciously and we don't even realize it, but you almost have to create meaning in your life to kind of um, help you get through that deployment and so that you have a why, right? 
So, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about how that first deployment, um, my kids were really small and I was trying to help them understand why daddy had to go. And so we had just decided as a family, the three of us back at home, we would sponsor an Afghanistan orphanage and we would kind of donate some of our chore money or we would just kind of give a little bit towards this orphanage. And that would be a way where we would kind of join in to the why of why daddy has to go. He's helping people in Afghanistan. We're going to help people and be a part of that mission. And it was our way of kind of creating a why, like, why do we have to go through this as a family? Like, why leave for that long and have something cost so much of our family? And I think... I think all of our families have had to do that, whether you did something intentional and practical like that, or whether you just had to come up with something to tell yourself of why I'm going to push through this deployment or why, um, why I have to bring meaning to my experience of losing a soldier that I cared about. You know, what's my why? What, what am I going to say about that that makes me feel okay that I survived and, and my friend did not? And so after 20 years of creating that meaning, to have it come to such an abrupt, abrupt end, and, and I use that in air quotes that you can't see, right? Because this is <laughs> not necessarily ending um, well, um, no. <laughs> and it's definitely going to drag on for a little bit, right? But but it is something that we have to start talking about, which is what does it look like for us to you know, withdraw or bring a close to this relationship? Or is it possible to close that relationship? And that brings up so many feelings of loss, of grief, of anger. And the best way that I can explain is it's almost like going through the stages of grief, but the whole country going through that at different times, especially for our veterans who um, were whose lives were altered drastically by their time spent there. And then you have to take into account their spouses whose lives uh, became caregivers and were drastically changed because of time spent in Afghanistan and then everything in between that. Right. Um, and so everybody is going to have a reaction to that. Um, and yet here we are where we all have also been begging for a break for a very long time. And we've been needing to slow down and our families have needed to stop in some way to catch our breath, to recuperate, to take care of our families, to take care of our marriages. And so it's kind of this bittersweet feeling of on one hand relief that maybe things are going to slow down and we want that. And at the same time, it's also the grief and the anger of, I just didn't want it to end this way. And then there's also the soul injury that's happening in our country where you've got people who are literally processing on the media, whether or not that those two decades were worth it. And you've got all these service families that are like, now you want to talk about whether or not it's worth it. Now you want to talk about like, you know, why we're over there and ask the questions of why we were there in the first place. You had two decades, right? We've been creating meaning for two decades ourselves. And so there's just a lot of feelings. And I think I just want to kind of normalize that for whoever's listening right now is, is wherever you are having feelings, I'm seeing couples where in some cases, the service member is not surprised at all and not having a ton of feelings about it, but the spouse has a lot going on in their heart, you know, and vice versa. You've got veterans who are really struggling and a spouse is like, what's the big deal? And so it's, it is really, um, the best advice that I'm trying to give right now is, is to just allow ourselves to slow down a little bit, to do a temperature check within yourself and within your spouse to allow there to be different experiences of the information. Um, and to also be okay right now with having competing feelings going on at the same time. It's okay for you to both feel relieved and also angry and also compassionate towards the, the, not only the Afghan people, but of course, like there's anger too about our, 
own people and allies that are there. There's a lot to process. Um, so just to be patient with that and, and to be careful with our words, because I, you know, Rich, I've been saying a lot, maybe it's for my own sake, but I've been saying to a lot of people, this doesn't have to be our Vietnam. Like it really doesn't have to be. And so um, perhaps we can go forward with that in mind of how do we ask for the right support, ask for, you know, educate our, our family members on what we need, learn how to talk about it, um, and, and definitely getting professional help if you actually need it. That's a, that's a big one right there. A lot will uh, have issues but not go to help because they still feel that even if people know they have an issue and they go to get help, they are perceived as weaker or weaker than their buddies or whatever. And that's a big problem with a, a lot of those who think they're alphas and they hide everything inside them until basically they explode inside and mm-hmm. bad things happen at that point. I was flying back from Puerto Rico last week for work and I landed in uh, Tampa Bay on the way back to Nashville. And there was another couple that stayed on the plane as the, they let all the people off and came on Southwest and they asked me if I was from Fort Campbell. I said, yes. And then their first question was, what do you think about Afghanistan? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I told them, I said, I knew this was going to, I knew it, it was coming. Mm-hmm. As soon as they made the agreement to pull out, I knew we'd leave and bad things would happen. I did not think it would happen that quick. I don't think anyone's seen that coming that fast. But I knew it was just going to be another vacuum, kind of just like Iraq was uh, in 2014, I think it was, or 12, when they uh, we left there and all of a sudden there was a vacuum there and the fight for power started. Here, the fight for power was pretty swift and the Taliban took over as quick as possible, and mostly because many uh, Afghan units just gave up their arms. And that, that leaves a sore, sore spot for a lot of veterans who trained them, who gave, yeah. put their lives on the line to get them there. They felt like, what did we do it for if they're just going to give up? And that's a part that, that eats a lot of, is eating a lot of people up right now. Yeah. And, and why wouldn't it, right? Like when right. you've devoted your time and your energy away from family, even to, to be a part of this mission. And, and, you know, there's so many times that you're given a mission that you don't really want to do. You may not even agree with it, but you just got to do it. And again, you have to create your own meaning to motivate yourself to get up and do that every day. Right. And so to, to give so much time and energy to have someone just so quickly lay, like kind of roll over, right. And just kind of hand that over, you know, and it's, it's also not who our military is. It's not what we do. We don't roll over. We don't, you know, just hand things over that easily. And it's just not who our force is. It's not the character that we attract. And so it's kind of this, um, construct that just in our mind, it's just like this broken construct that just doesn't make sense, right? Like how do we, how do we even come to terms with the fact that this is not even the way that we're built and not what we would have done. And, you know, it is hard. It is hard. Um, you know, the only, there's no answer to that because there's nothing that anybody can say that makes it better, that, that takes it away or, or changes what actually has happened. But I will say, um, from a, from a family member perspective, from a spouse perspective, I mean, the first thing, my first reaction to seeing that systematic, um, you know, sweep of taking back the country, my first thought was, wow, I didn't, I didn't even realize they were capable of doing that. Like, and that shows how uneducated we all are back here at home. You know, and of course I've talked with service members that they knew that, like you said, like they knew you, they knew, um, it was going to have to end at some point. They knew things that they can't even express to us back here at home. But the second thing, and so I, I would say, 
that that's a reminder to be patient with even the reaction that we're seeing in the media and in the country is that the reaction is coming from a place of, of ignorance or um, innocence, of not understanding, of not knowing, and just now being kind of woken up to it. Um, but the second thought that I had was one of pride and was one of just amazement to realize that our force held off that kind of intensity for two decades. Um, that's so much about um, what we what we've been capable of doing. And so, you know, if there is anyone that's listening who was part of training up um, the Afghan army that's really struggling with that, regardless of what they did, to recognize like the professionalism that you've had, the um, the force that you are a part of that held off evil for so long is remarkable. And that says more about you than whether or not somebody that you taught decided to live out what you were teaching them, um, who you who you are, the character that you've been, and and remembering that you may never know what your character and your the presence of your character, what that did to another service member that you served with, as far as the impact of of them walking away, deciding to be a better person because of of contact with you. Or whether that's an, a, a little boy from a village that you gave a candy bar to and a smile. Like where you're just never going to know until, you know, maybe we're on the other side someday and we find out the impact. And so just to, you know, chin up, chest out and just remember, like, we don't have to have all the answers, but you can move forward and be proud of what you got to be a part of and that you were part of trying to do something great and that you did do something great, even if that doesn't stick. That's that's exactly what I'm, I'm thinking as well. I think uh, every one of us had our own journey over there. Every one of our families had a journey back here while we were there. And like you said, some of the stuff that we see in there, it's not in the news. It's not anywhere. And that's what gave us the clarity of what would happen moving forward. And I know a lot of my my internal platoon, they felt rage last week until I just talked to them yeah. and kind of calmed them down and Hey, uh, it's going to be all right. We did our job. It's time for someone else to take the fight for their own country at this point. Yeah. And what incredible mentoring that you're able to provide. And, you know, um, some of us were talking over the weekend and, you know, we are all called as adults to be um, called to whatever it is that we are in right now in our life. And we were created to be in this time and place for whatever reason, right? Like, and each of us has to figure out what we are being invited to do and the impact and influence that we have in, in the lives that are around us. Um, and we have done that to this point. And you're going to have more opportunities, like you said, Rich, to invest in someone else. And that's part of the healing from this is telling you, telling stories with each other, sharing that frustration with people that understand um, finding the right mentors in your life that can, like you said, talk those, not, not talk you out of those feelings, but talk you down, right? To remind you um, of the purpose that you had and that you completed that mission and you you did what you were supposed to do. But that those of us, especially if you have kids or if you have the opportunity to mentor the next generation, the next generation is going to be the one that that they're going to be called to that next thing, that next response to who are they going to be in the world? And we still have influence into that next generation. So it's not up to any one group or one generation to be the answer for all of it, right? We each play our part, just like the greatest generation before us played a part in paving a path for 
um, the kind of military we have today and the programming that we have today and the funding that we have today. Without them, we wouldn't have what we have uh, to even support our families. And so I just would encourage you guys that, um, you know, know the influence and impact that you have around you right now, because it's still meaningful. You still have um, purpose and you still have the ability to impact this world and the next generation in a great, great way. Um, we're not always guaranteed that, that there will be victory in war. And war can't always be about winning or losing, even though the military says that all the time, we exist to win the nation's wars, right? Um, but the truth of it is sometimes war is about holding off evil and and our our country did that well. Definitely have, and like you said, it's two decades in one country, uh, almost two decades in Iraq now, minus a little pause, that our soldiers have, basically been in the face of evil and kept them at, kept them at bay. So they're not here against our families. And that's the message that I think everyone needs to have ringing in their heads. They did their job and they done it well. Yeah. 100% rich. Well, Corey, it's been great talking to you. Uh, how does someone get in contact with you to get, get you to come talk to their group or even virtually talk to them? Yeah. So I have two websites, actually. I have my personal website that kind of deals with consulting and speaking and, and that sort of thing. If you're looking to just get in touch with me, it's just coreyweathers.com. My name, it's C-O-R-I-E. And then the what like the weather outside with an S, coreyweathers.com. <laughs> And, uh, um, and I am, I'm, I am still pending COVID. I'm still traveling and speaking to spouse groups and to couples and I'm um, just trying to encourage them to make their home that safe um, harbor that they need. And then I also have um, Life Giver is, is my podcast. Um, Life Giver is also a website where I've got the Life Giver directory where you can search for, um, we have now over 200 clinicians across the globe that are competent and understand the military culture that you can find professional help with somebody who understands your life. A lot of these are military spouses or veterans themselves, and you can find the Life Giver directory. Um, it's life-giver.org. Um, so you can find the directory there as well as content, the podcast, anything else that's just resources that are coming out. I'm also doing, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm also doing the Afghanistan series right now where I'm trying to address some of your biggest questions about the withdrawal of Afghanistan, asking questions of like, is it worth it? And is this our next Vietnam? And what about the families in Afghanistan? And so it's, it's kind of a impromptu series where I've interviewed a gold star widow who lost her husband in Afghanistan. And she's actually in a very powerful way that's worth listening to. That's healing a lot of people answering that question of, was it worth it? Like if anybody can answer that, she's definitely one that can answer it for us. Um, I interviewed a uh, Vietnam veteran who um, actually was flying evacuees out of Vietnam from Saigon that kind of answers what that was like um, for those that we are kind of watching it on the news happening right now. And so there's going to be several more that are coming out to help you. And the whole goal is to help you process the feelings and the big questions that are coming up in you. And you'll be able to find that at life-giver.org as well. Awesome. Thank you, Corey, again, for taking some of your time. I'm glad we were finally able to get this together. And I think it's better that we did it at this time because we had a little more stuff to talk about to help other people. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for what you've done to serve our country and continue to mentor other people. And thank you to everybody listening who's serving as well. Awesome. Have a good day, Corey. You too. Bye-bye.
That was great chatting with Corey and learning what all she can provide to help veterans and first responders in both one-on-one and group settings. Thanks again for coming on, Corey. And everyone, definitely check her out at her website, www.corieweathers.com. That's corieweathers.com. And you'll find all the items that she can uh, provide you with along the way. In light of all that has transpired, I am here again to tell you, you are not alone. This time is critical for veterans to reach out to each other and keep us all, all whole. Do not make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Phone a friend, call the veteran hotline at 1-800-273-8255 and press option one. Get the help you need. We all want you around. There's a friendly reminder, voting ends on 18th September for the Veteran Podcast Awards. So please head over and cast your vote for us at www.veteranpodcastawards.com backslash vote and the Misfit Nation is in three categories. Share that with your friends. So you know how we do this. Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on the Misfit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. If you want to, please become a supporter to help us carry this thing on. We appreciate you. If you have feedback or have an idea for a next subject for our show, reach out to us via all our socials. As always, till next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. Because we are the Misfit Nation.